the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is pre-recorded. This is the Paul George Real Estate Show with your host, Paul George. Sponsored by the Paul George Real Estate Group. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and not necessarily those of Salem Media Group, staff, management, or advertisers. And now, here's your host, Paul George. Welcome to the Paul George Real Estate Show. I'm your host, Paul George. I'm a 30-year real... 30-year... Gosh, I keep messing up on that every time. 33-year real estate agent who helps people buy and sell and build homes in the central Ohio area. Um, today, my guest is one of the most popular public officials in Franklin County right now. Um, and no, it's not the mayor. Uh, he's popular, popular because one of his jobs is... Um, he has the task of valuing every piece of property, every parcel in Franklin County. Um, you guys know that we have been through a reappraisal process, and he's going to explain a little bit about how and the reasons for that and why he's tasked to do that. Uh, but uh, some other interesting things is that um, he does a lot more than that as well, too. Um, his office, you know, heck, I got gas yesterday, and I saw his sticker on the pump uh, I, last week I was in, um, where was I? Wylands, I think it was. And I was getting some meat there and I looked on the scale and your name's everywhere. Um, so I know you have a lot more to do than reappraisals, but when it comes to people's pocketbooks, they tend to, uh, get the attention of this guy. Um, it does affect people, the reappraisals. You know, there's a lot of, uh, my kids' friends who say, Hey, I rent, um, uh, you know, it doesn't matter to me. Uh, there's a, an indirect way where uh, tax valuations actually affect you, whether it's increase in rent or um, increase in prices that you pay at the pump or loss or things like that. You know, people who own things will – it always gets passed down to you. Uh, so if you're a property owner, it certainly does you directly, but in, there's a lot of indirect ways that uh, we do that. Um it's also a situation where most of our taxes are voted on and you have, you know, even if you rent, you're voting whether to uh, have that school levy get passed or you're voting whether to have certain things uh, that affect, you know, the values of the property. So a lot of it has to do with you. And again, we're going to go into all that uh, in a little more detail. We're going to go deep into it. Um so we're going to be uh, talking to Michael Stenziano. He's the Franklin County Auditor. But uh, before we bring on Mr. Stenziano, I want to take a quick look at what's going on in the real estate market. Um, I, I do want to bring up a situation that just happened to me within real estate that involves patients. And it's pretty needed right now because of the frustration that we're feeling in the market right now. Uh, there's a lot of people who are caught in between uh, high interest rates or no down payments or lack of inventory or something like that. But um, I wanted to tell you about uh, something. I finally closed on a property a couple of weeks ago, but the journey started, gosh, it's it was more than a couple of years ago. I had to look back at my emails when I first talked to her. It was uh, it's actually a cousin of mine's daughter. And a couple of years ago, she said, okay, I'm thinking about getting married. We want to look for a house. Um, and they've been renting for since August of 2021. That's when the email was. So if you guys remember a couple of years ago, that's when kind of the market was getting frenzied. Um, you know, like most first-time homebuyers, even though she was related, we started with an interview process and more of um, – going through the process was me explaining, giving them the correct expectations. Um, for first time home buyers, it was even more brutal, uh, than it is right now, just because there were more multiple offers, uh, multiple bids, well over asking. And, you know, we've heard all the stories, 
But anyway, fast forward during this time of looking, you know, we kind of got hot and cold because they get frustrated, you know, get all excited about a property. And when you get beat out by, you know, at least five other offers that were willing to pay 10,000, 20,000, 30 more, 30,000 more than asking, you know, you're kind of handcuffed a little bit as to what you can do. Um, a property is worth what somebody's willing to pay. And that's one of the things we'll talk to the auditor about is that what somebody's willing to pay may be different than the tax valuation. But I digress a little bit. Um, I just wanted to fast forward. During that time, though, the buyers got married. Um, I went to their wedding, and it was a fun thing. And I got those stares from everybody looking at me like, when are you going to find them a house? Um, and honestly, I'm probably a little overprotective of my buyers to begin with. And then when you get people that are related, I don't want to screw up, I guess. I don't want to sell them the wrong thing, uh, even though it's up to them, of course. But they got married. Um, they also had a kid. And that gave me some perspective as to how long it takes sometimes to make the right decision. So they got married. They had a baby. And finally, 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 um, we found a house that fit. And in that time, though, we know what the interest rates did. We know what housing prices did. Um, the other part of that is they both had pay increases. But unfortunately, those pay increases, we still look for the same price house that we did before. It's just that there weren't as many other buys, buyers looking at the time. And I've said this a million times that uh, whatever the rate is right now, it's not going to be that rate for the next 30 years. So anyway, we found, you know, the right house. And even though, um, you know, they're paying pretty much more for the same house, they got the pay increase, uh, the interest rate increase, but they didn't settle. And that's what I try to tell a lot of people uh, hey, let's not settle. You know, sometimes you have to do things, but sometimes you don't have to settle. And they didn't. Um, the nice thing about when we closed is the baby that they had started walking. When we did the final walkthrough, the baby was walking through the house and the house was empty at the time. So they got this nice uh, big area for him to run around in. That was one of the more gratifying things. And they were so appreciative. And now they get to spend the holidays in their brand new house. So as we talked to the auditor, um, yes, the price increased uh, during those last two years, and, you know, they increased pretty significantly. And I'm going to get his opinion on what he thinks they may be doing in the future, uh, and that's all he can do is give him the opinion because of uh, he's seen the numbers for the past few years. And uh, we're going to get into a, a pretty deep into some of the stats that happened as well as what we might think is going to be happening. So when we're when we come back, we're going to talk about the uh, Franklin County property reappraisals and talk about what it might mean for your particular taxes, and maybe kind of knock out some of the myths about some of the tax increases. So when we come back, um, we will talk to Mike Stenziano, and we're going to see how that affects not only your property value but uh, what it's going to cost you in the future. We'll be right back. Navigating the complexities of the current real estate market can be a daunting task. Fortunately, you have a trusted ally, the Paul George Group of Keller Williams Greater Columbus Realty. From the moment you start your journey, the Paul George Group with over 30 years of experience will be right beside you, guiding you through every step of the process, whether it's finding the perfect home or building, skillfully negotiating on your behalf, working with lenders, managing inspections, or handling title matters, their expertise ensures your best interests are always at heart. Don't hesitate to take the first step towards your real estate goals. Reach out to the Paul George Group for a no-obligation consultation. Call 614-570-2853. That's 614-570-2853. Or email paul at paulgeorgerealestate.com. When it comes to making informed decisions in the real estate world, trust the Paul George Group to lead the way. Visit the Paul George Real Estate Group at paulgeorgerealestate.com. That's paulgeorgerealestate.com. Now back to your host, Paul George. Welcome back to the Paul George Real Estate Show. Um, this is going to be one of those uh, content-filled uh, segments. And if you come up with any questions, you can always email me 
at paul at paulgeorgerealestate.com. Uh, there's going to be a lot of information that we're going to give out, and you may not be able to get it all. Uh, we do, this show does become a podcast, so if you miss some things here, you can go back and look us up on uh, iTunes. You can go to Google Play. You can go to Spotify. Uh, you can find the show wherever you get your podcast from. Just look for the Paul George Real Estate Show. Anyway, my guest today is Mike Stenziano from the Franklin County Auditor's Office. And as I said, that he's uh, kind of one of those popular guys right now that people have a lot of questions. I do want to compliment him on this is probably the third or fourth or fifth time I've seen him in the last six months just because of he has done a great job of getting the word out about how the process works. And most people don't pay attention until they start seeing their tax bill or they get that little letter from their bank saying that, hey, we need more money because your payments have went up because your escrow account is short. Anyway, that gets down to the nitty gritty. But anyway, I just want to introduce Mike, uh, say hello and Tell us what you do and a little bit about yourself. Well, appreciate the opportunity to be here. Uh, thanks so much for having me. So I am uh, the honor of serving as the county auditor. As you mentioned, uh, the auditor's office is about a mile wide in terms of responsibilities. <laughs> uh, we kind of sum it up, though. We protect, connect, and reassess. Uh, so we have a great consumer protection role that could be the sticker at the gas pump or in stores where our weights and measure team uh, goes out. We also have uh, Protector Canine. Oddly, the auditor is responsible for dog licensing. So when mm -hmm. you said I was... Uh, a popular office. It is dog <laughs> licensing season uh, between December and January. So I thought maybe that's why it was so popular. Uh, but it's really that reassess piece uh, where we are tasked under Ohio law for county auditors to go out and reevaluate uh, the appraised value of properties in uh, everyone's respective counties. So with that, how big of an office do you have? How many people? How so for staff? all those responsibilities, about 143 uh, right now. Uh, and it Again, covers that range. Uh, there's often the comment of, well, when's the office going to slow down? Uh, there's never really a <laughs> slowdown period. Uh, there's constantly opportunities and activities going on. That's really important uh, to not only uh, property owners, but any uh, Franklin County resident. And as you mentioned, one of the tasks that is in the forefront right now is the property reappraisals. You guys don't actually go out and reappraise the properties, or do you hire a separate company, or do you use algorithms that are how do you do all that? A little bit of both. Uh, so we do have eight in-house uh, office appraisers uh, where we are available to go out and view the property. We also contract for both the triennial and mastery appraisal years with a third-party appraisal company. They'll go out as well. And there is a formula uh, depending on type of property, uh, what the function is, if it's the triennial or the mastery appraisal, which is what we just went through this year. Uh, so it's a busy office. Uh, for this year's mastery appraisal, we've been working uh, to kind of get to this finish line for the past three years. So you've kind of skimmed over that a little bit. I don't think a lot of people understand how often you do this and what each of the three years entails. Sure. So under Ohio law, every six years, uh, county auditors are required to do a mastery appraisal. That means we go out and view each property. It's a drive-by uh, or we may rely on other uh, technology, uh, so uh, flyovers. Uh, but to go out, inspect uh, the property, make sure the grade, condition, all match up with the property card. There is a three-year increment that is more uh, real estate sales-driven, where we will not go out and review that property. That is called the triennial. So we had a triennial in 2020. 2023 was the reappraisal. So you won't uh, see us again during either function until 2027. There are 88 counties in Ohio, if I remember my You got <laughs> it, 88 track. counties. Okay. Everybody's not on the same schedule, is that correct? Correct. So <laughs> in Ohio this year, you've got 41 counties that are either doing a mass or a triennial. The reason yeah. we're not on the same schedule, uh, we do this whole uh, project uh, in each county under the guidance of the Ohio Department of Taxation, uh, and they could not go through all 88 counties <laughs> at one time. So, I mean, that that's a part of the dance is where we may make a recommendation on evaluation. It's the Department of Taxation that gives final approval. They also set the valuation for the tax lien date. Uh, so 1-1-23 was the tax lien date. And so what's the number and kind of range we're looking at? Uh, they play a very important role uh, to get us to the final values as well. So with that, okay, so there's 88 counties. Franklin County has how many different parcels? We have about 450,000 parcels across the county. So... Each one of those, you guys have to assign a tax valuation to. Is that correct? Oh, we sign an appraised valuation. Appraised. There is also a tax valuation. That tax valuation, though, is going to be driven more on their uh, 
taxing district. Uh, and so that is established through the auditor's office, but a little more uh, at a higher level. It won't be as parcel specific as each appraisal is going to be. And that's part of the the challenge confusion. and the confusion. Yes. Absolutely. So it, it, I get questioned all the time. How many districts are there? Uh, in Franklin County, we have a little over 170 uh, taxing districts. So that is very unique. And the taxing district really driven by what uh, more often than not is occurring at the ballot box. Uh, we can talk inside, outside millage. First 10% of your tax bills, that inside millage, those taxing entities can go up to that amount without voter approval. The next nine-tenth of that taxing bill is the outside millage. That is what's happening at the ballot box. And we'll talk a little bit about what we saw this year, what levies were passed, how that impacted property taxes, a little different than the property valuation. So auditor's primary role is that reassess property value piece. That's what we go out, we share with folks where we've seen historic increases in Franklin County, for example, in a number of counties. Uh, in Franklin County, it's about 41%. Those taxes are not going up 41%. A lot of people see that increase. They get concerned on what that is. You can have situations where values go up, taxes go down. Your value could go down, your taxes go up. It's going to be so driven by your taxing district. That's why it's confusing, and that's why we get all these questions, and that's why you have to go out and do these kind of things. And we're happy to do it. Uh, we, you know, we, we recognize for Bob and Betty Buckeye, it's not an easy process. And as you alluded to, a lot of people don't pay attention until they get that tax bill. I love to remind folks tax bill comes from the treasurer, not the auditor, yeah. the treasurer. <laughs> it's not me. I'm, uh, I'm well, the Well, people, I, all the time, I, I sent you a check. You didn't send it to me. I'm not the treasurer. Uh, but it, it is confusing, and it isn't the easiest process. And, and then, you know, it's tough enough to get people to engage uh, through the reassessment. Property owners play an important role throughout this year. Then to have the additional conversation of how it correlates to what their concern is of their property tax bill. And I know you're – I know you're focused on Franklin County, but I know you're aware of other counties, other states, other areas. Are we unique in this as compared to uh, Michigan yeah. or compared to California or compared to some of the other places? Yes. Uh, so every jurisdiction does a little different. Ohio is unique mostly because of how much our school funding is derived from our property taxes. Uh, a lot of people are quick to remember that in the late 80s, early 90s, the Ohio Supreme Court uh, made a determination that funding uh, schools through property taxes was unconstitutional. Ultimately, they found a way after a number of additional draft cases uh, of finding it constitutional. But we are very reliant on property tax uh, to fund taxing entities, public services in Ohio. Uh, some jurisdictions do it different. Property tax, some view as the best tax because of how equitable it can be. Uh, but maybe they freeze it for older residents. Maybe they have a bigger homestead. In Kentucky, for example, uh, their property tax bill is not nearly as large as it is here. Trade-off is they probably have a larger sales tax. So every jurisdiction does it a little different. Uh, myself, members of the county, Frank County Auditor's Office are always advocating to the General Assembly of there's other ways to do this. If we were developing a system today, I don't know if we would land where we currently are, uh, but we are an office that is a creature of statute and we'll implement what the statute requires. And you're doing a good job. One of the Best compliments somebody asked me, and I had to think about it. I didn't even know it. I, honestly, I don't care. But, you know, this is a political office. And people ask me, is he a Democrat or Republican? I said, you know what? The best part about this is I don't know because he does his job, and that's all that matters. I appreciate that. I mean, so that's one of the fun questions that's come up. Is there a Democratic or Republican way to reassess values? Probably not. Uh, but I also remind people, is there a Democrat or Republican way to be a coroner? An engineer, a recorder, a clerk of courts. We really like electing things in Ohio. And yeah. so uh, that's what the law provides. When you mention 88 counties, uh, two of our counties are county executive models. So they don't have an independently elected county auditor. Uh, and that process uh, works a little different in those counties. And so we think it's a system that works well for Franklin County residents, be able to hold accountable if there's questions, uh, want to engage with the office a little more direct. That's, that's great. Hey, if you're just tuning in, this is the Paul George Real Estate Show. And again, I'm your host, Paul George. We are here with Michael Stenziano, the Franklin County Auditor. And at the end, we are going to give some information about where you can find some more information about your property value. Um, and it's too late to do certain things, but it's not too late to um, get things readjusted. Um, but it'll be after the process, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, I'm back to Mike. Um you know, I deal in market values of properties, and people always tend to look, first place they look is their tax value. 
And when I say that, I they go to the auditor site and they look up how much am I paying taxes on. And we know it's a, well, I, I don't want to assume anything, but it's 35% of the perceived value, I guess, to that say. That is not an assumption. That is a fact. That is a fact. That is a fact. It's 35% of that value. But you mentioned three different values, well, two different values. One was the, I keep calling it the tax value, and maybe I'm not. And then we I, we talk about the perceived market value, and I actually talk about the real market value, what somebody's willing to pay. So I, I've always cautioned my office to use the term that we're establishing the market value. And the code suggests that uh, we try to go at the lowest value we can because of the impact it has on taxes. So we find a level of assessment around 91% of what I would probably normally call the market value. So we're really not establishing this is if you're going to put the property for sale, what it should be listed as. Uh, we're doing the taxable value, which is what is relied on for taxing agencies. We're looking uh, as the lowest the Department of Taxation will let us uh, operate under, which is about a 91% level of assessment. So it really should be lower, um, not by tons, uh, but lower than if you were going to sell it, which would be the market value. You know, If you're going out true to the market, what people are willing to pay. The challenge for uh, some property owners, though, Ohio Supreme Court has said the true value is what someone has recently paid. So we've often in the last uh, three to four years hear folks come to us saying, you know, I paid X amount. I paid way more than I should. That's not the real value. That is a tough argument to come before to seek an adjustment because someone decided that was the right value, likely that property owner. And so we work with them to understand why they would pay more than what they think it really was, but and how we establish then uh, the tax rate bigger to conversation. And that's within my industry. I run into that a lot in uh, especially the first or second year somebody purchases a property. Um, they've established a value that way, but it's not assessed quite at that much. And they're asking me why. And I said, well, keep your mouth shut. You don't want to do it that much higher. But it's also on new construction. I have a lot of people building, um, you know, condos and things like that downtown in those areas where, you know, the value comes in less. And sometimes they get offended by it. <laughs> They're like, you don't want to be offended by it when you go to sell it. And then we'll talk about it. But that's part of my job is to say that's not the market value. Again, it's what somebody is willing to pay. Um, one of the questions about the process that I was a little confused about and you know, honestly, we had the Delaware County Auditor, and I'm not sure if I was clear on this, in that when you're establishing the values this year, when you guys were able to do that, I thought you went back and took the average of the last three years. And is that the right assumption, or is it just the past most recent, or how does that work? So the way the state law is very confusing, Department of Taxation wants us to use the sales numbers as of the tax lien date, so one one twenty three for a mass reappraisal. However, we will look at the past two years, so between the triennial and that lien date, for what trends are going on. And, and so that will play a role. We will not, in the appraised uh, tentative value and now final values, we aren't doing the average of those three years. We're going to still lean on that lien date, but look at what trends are going on. So if there was, and we didn't see many in Franklin County, uh, <laughs> a past three years where values were going down, we would have that reflected in the tentative value. Uh, but Again, that was that would be a giant outlier for what we saw this past uh, three years and how we established our final values. When in it can go both ways. I I do remember again you weren't auditor at the time, but uh, when we were going through some of the housing crisis in two thousand eight two thousand nine, people were clamoring to get their values reduced to see if it it would reduce their taxes. Sometimes it did, sometimes it didn't. Um, we're just in a a great time for valuation, but a lot of people are getting a little stuck because of the valuation doesn't actually, you know, help them take any money out of it. They don't see it until they sell. How, and again, I want to get into that a little bit later, especially how it affects certain people in certain areas. Um, but tell me a little bit about what you're, thoughts are on i mean our biggest challenge is reminding people it's the taxing district and what happens at the ballot box directs so much what's going to be the property tax implication you'll hear auditors often say it's not a valuation problem we have it's a property tax problem and the property tax with the valuation is how i think the auditors are front and center of the conversation but when people go to the ballot and we're very generous in central ohio supporting a zoo that's in a different county supporting um uh, community college supporting other issues as they come up that continues to drive that property tax bill up. 
the valuations uh, prior to the November election, we were seeing uh, about 40% of value increase, but property tax that was either flat or decreasing. Uh, once a couple of levies got passed, that went out the door, uh, mm-hmm. but it's not the valuation that's ultimately going to drive that property tax. It's what voters are going to do at the ballot box. And we remind them of that. It's not till they get the property tax bill that they really thought through those consequences, unfortunately. For good or bad, um, quickly, if you could kind of, you mentioned we went up about 40, 40% in Franklin County. How does that compare to the other counties that were reassessed this year? Uh, so everyone saw historic increases. Uh, I think the highest, I'm going to, I don't want to assign, but it was around 47%. Um, and one of the smaller counties that saw a historic increase, their average increase was about 23%. Uh, so 41 was probably where we should be in Franklin County for an area that has underbuilt uh, for decades, has high demand, high population growth. I mean, people in the last three years, except for two months, continue to pay asking price over what the previous month had been. Yep. And so while stock is low, prices continue to rise and rise and rise. If you are thinking about selling, um, I don't want to scare you into selling something, but uh, this is the time of year that we need to have a conversation. One of the conversations I have with people, they ask me, they need a list of people that can do certain things. Use me as a resource, 614-570-2853. I got lists of handymen. I got lists of painters. I get things like that. So give me a call. We'll be right back. Submit your questions for the show to Paul at PaulGeorgeRealEstate.com. That's Paul at PaulGeorgeRealEstate.com. Now back to your host, Paul George. Welcome back to the Paul George Real Estate Show. Again, I'm your host, Paul George. I'm here today with Mike Stenziano, the Franklin County Auditor. We're talking about property tax reappraisals. Um, again, a deep, interesting subject, and there's a lot more information on his website. I think it's franklincountyauditor.gov or dot, it. dot com, isn't it? Uh, website would be dot com, emails.gov. Dot, only it. in the county. You Google the mo- you'll it, find him. Most visited county government website, so it people is, have no problem finding right now. Yeah. Yes. Um, one of the things I like to do before we get back to, into the nitty gritty of things, it gets a little get people to know you a little bit more. They see you as a public official. And um, one of the ways to do that for me is to ask you a couple of questions. But in the meantime, tell me a little bit about yourself away from politics, Uh, I guess to say. So, I mean, I always brag kid from Columbus, uh, born and raised here. So that meant when I was 18, my goal was to leave Ohio, never come back. (laughs) I wanted to avoid this kind of up and down weather where I wanted to wear a t-shirt and sandals. So I ended up at University of Richmond. Uh, always brag, Richmond's uh, mascots, the spiders, the only Division One A arachnid mascot. So is it unique to be a poisonous nut or a spider? <laughs> uh, spent some time uh, after school in Washington, D.C., uh, working for uh, the Woodrow Wilson International Center for Scholars, did grad school, uh, but came back ultimately to Columbus uh, to get a law degree. Background's been election law, really passionate about voting. If you're ever buying a license plate that says go vote, uh, I will be the one driving that uh, vehicle. Uh, but <laughs> Proud father of a 10 and 8 year old and one rescue pug, Wrigley. Wrigley. Any connection to Cubbies? Yeah. Um, uh, so we had a Fenway and a Wrigley. Unfortunately, we lost Fenway um, earlier this year. Uh, but my wife's from Rhode Island, thus the Fenway. Uh, my parents, uh, when I was in high school, actually moved to uh, Chicago area. And so enjoyed uh, the Cubs and Wrigley Field. And you can't really name your dog's uh, Synergy and progressive. So uh, went went different kind of corporate there. Well, I appreciate you going with the historical stadiums as well as the teams, I guess to say. Hey, one question I try to ask everybody when they come on is that um, if you had a talent or job or something you could instantly learn that you wouldn't have to do any training for or anything like that, you can just do it. What would that be? Uh <laughs> It's a great question. Uh, right now, I would say youth sports scheduling. Uh, I, I spend a lot of time. I'm a <laughs> team manager yeah. for a 10-year-old for a soccer team and uh, very proud of my scheduling <laughs> and balancing out and navigating all the parents' uh, questions and feedback. You haven't gotten anybody come up to you and say, why are you raising my taxes so oh, much? Oh, of course. Oh, uh, well, that. my favorite is on a soccer field. Someone's like, hey, I looked at my property record and we have an extra bathroom. <laughs> Should I tell you that? I was like, well, you just did. But I'm not writing down your address uh, at a 10-year-old soccer game. So uh, your determination on how you want us to get it updated. 
And, you know, when they sell, they will let us know there's that extra bathroom and then they want the property card updated. Well, that's funny because we run into that a lot of times too. Hey, my tax record says this, but, you know, we put this finished basement and this kind of thing down there. Does that count? Well, for marketing purposes, yeah. For tax purposes, maybe not. We'll see. But I'm not going to get into those nitty gritties with you. So getting back to um, some of the things that people are talking about right now, you kind of mentioned it before. And again, one of the biggest myths, and I just, you and I are tired of hearing this, but I don't think people can hear it enough. So the taxes overall, the valuation went up 36% in Franklin County. Your taxes are not going up that much. Could you reassure us that they're not going up and maybe how that might work into their real taxes. Sure. Um, I can say it all day. Uh, we really encourage people to visit the auditor's website. We have a tax uh, estimator so they can see, plug those numbers in. We really leaned in. Uh, first question I always get, what's my value? Second question is what my property tax? And occasionally the third question, what's my neighbor's value? Uh, <laughs> sneaks in there as well. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, values can go up, taxes can go down. Value could go down, your taxes go up. I, I, during the triennial, I mean, I, I said it uh, a lot, and, and it, you could tell people weren't convinced. So we provided a, a function so they could plug it in. The way uh, tax equalization works, some legislation that was passed uh, decades ago, the whole reappraisal is not meant to be a windfall for any taxing entity. So when you look at your property tax bill and see where all the dollars are going, what those taxing entities are, no one is seeing – uh, a windfall uh, for the vast majority of it. For the inside millage, there will be an increase. So county uh, commissioners, city of Columbus, uh, some of those entities will see an increase, but again, not a windfall. That is not what they are basing uh, any of their budgets on. But if a school district came to the community and said, you know, we want to raise $10 million, community says we support that, that school district is always going to get that $10 million. And so that does not change. Uh, when they come back and want to do a levy increase, that's where you'll see some play. And so when a city of Columbus school district gets approval uh, for their levy this year, that is going to play a huge role in property taxes uh, for the foreseeable future in Franklin County. So when we did our reappraisal, I brought some numbers. Prior to the levy, on average, taxes were going up about 5%, which was about uh, $250. Uh, so that was pre-levy amount. After the levies, so both Dublin and Columbus City Schools, post-levy is going to see about an 11% increase, which will correlate to almost six or $560. So those levies, what the voters approved, almost uh, tripled what the property tax implications for a property owner is going to be. That was one of the hard questions, I guess, I was trying to figure out myself. Because one of the things you guys were very proactive in doing is you knew this process was coming up. You scheduled uh, meetings with informal meetings with people to kind of go over some of their, okay, here's what we think is going to happen. You can challenge that if you want on an informal basis and we can adjust if needed. And you didn't know about the school levies. And when they increased that, did you base that on the January 1st amount or do you base it on the new reassessed amount? Great question. Uh, so when they are uh, going to the school district, when the school district is saying, hey, voters, this is the amount the increase is going to be, they're actually going off the old value because that's the number so we have. Up. It has not been finalized by tax. Uh, about two and a half weeks ago, Department of Tax said, here's your final uh, values, go forward. So it actually, for voters, uh, is a smaller amount than what they would have approved at the ballot box. So when they saw the language and it said it's going to cost this much per 100000 on tax bill, it's still going to be smaller, but it does play a role when we all see our tax bill in 2024. It is going to be bigger because of those levies, not because of the revaluation process. So what's the function? Like So let's just use Columbus for an example. They voted for $20 million in increased funding. What What's the mechanism that keeps it at that $20 million instead of the new valuation? So – it's going to be the new valuation under tax. When they went to the ballot language, they were going off the old stuff. So right. the mechanism to keep it at the $20 million is the tax equalization. So we work within our budget commission. We work through the process. And so the entity gets allotted its tax dollars over time. Um, but it, they're never going to get more than what was just approved. But that new amount is going to be tied to the new valuation, not the old valuation. But the ballot language, it, it is very confusing. The ballot language in November of twenty three 
was based off of the current valuations at the time. So it, it's all it's all going to catch up with the next tax bill from the treasurer, not the auditor, the treasurer. Well, and that's why, I, I again, you looked at the treasurer, and I think they used the rollbacks or something like that, the percentage-wise, to kind of equal that out. I think we're just using a different language. They just do it a different way than yeah, what we're I, talking about. I mean, so everyone's going to – it gets caught up in the first – uh, half of the tax bill that the the treasurer is going to use, but they're going to rely with one one twenty four valuations, which is what the mastery appraisal was. Now you do pay your taxes in arrears, which the best way I can explain it is you normally pay for a nice dinner after you've consumed it, not before. Uh, you are paying for your tax services after you've consumed them, not before. But because of the way the levy language works, it starts. So this is kind of the one year you're getting uh, the benefit of paying before you get some of the services. And that's uh, being in real estate, you know, whenever we sell a house, the seller looks at him like, hey, I've already paid my taxes. And I'll say, well, yeah, that was for last year. Now you got to bring them up to date to give them so the buyers can pay for it. Hey, again, if you're just listening to us, just turning in, tuning in, uh, this is the Paul George Real Estate Show, and we're talking to Michael Stenziano, the Franklin County Auditor. Um, one of the challenges that I'm hearing, and I've got a very specific example, there's a few areas like we had talked about where I'm from between the hilltop and Franklinton and thing. They've seen triple digit increases. And at the beginning, their property taxes on a raw number is not that high. Uh, when I see, you know, $1,200 a year for property taxes, it's like no big deal. But, you know, the same late, I have one in Whitehall. The example was that um, theirs went up exponentially as well, too. And I think her taxes were $1,400 a year. Hers are going up to like $2,100 a year. And that, to you and me, that doesn't sound like the raw numbers. That really affects this senior. Um, how do we kind of balance that out for them when they're on a fixed income? Is there resources? Is there things available? So first and foremost, we want any older resident to see if they qualify under Ohio's homestead exemption. Uh, unfortunately, the homestead exemption uh, has evolved uh, uh, over time in the last uh, three or four decades. Uh, where we're seeing not as many older residents get the benefit of it, although very optimistic that the General Assembly may be modernizing it again, uh, in which case we want to make sure every qualifying older resident qualifies. So for older residents on fixed incomes, this process stinks uh, as currently uh, uh, created. And I had a great headline that said, Ohio is not a great place for older residents to age in. Uh, and it has to do with that piece. They have paid off their home. They've lived in these neighborhoods for decades. Uh, and, and the th- concern of being property taxed out of their neighborhood is very real. Uh, and the other feedback that particularly I'm sure your client is, gets frustrated is, okay, I can sell, but where am I going to go? Yeah, uh, and that remains next question, one of the yeah. challenge. Uh, so Homestead, first and foremost, we also have a program in the auditor's office called Property Tax Assistance Program. It's a one-time program uh, for qualifying individuals that if they, they had a loss of employment or a loss of spouse, and it was going to make paying that next property tax bill a challenge. They can work with the auditor's office through the PTAP program. Other uh, opportunities at the county, the treasurer uh, has a payment plan program. So instead of just doing two lump sums, uh, getting on a monthly payment helps uh, the budget, although it does not lower the amount, helps the budget. Uh, and then she also has a starfish uh, program, which is meant to keep people out of delinquency. Uh, so, you're right. Uh, it's something as a community we're very challenged on uh, in the auditor's office, myself and some of the great people we work with have been advocating to allow local governments to provide some of their own incentive relief. Uh, so kind of a local homestead. We do need to get some General Assembly buy in for that change. Uh, but this is something that's not only tough for Franklin County, but across the entire state. And that's one of the things that um, I am hearing a lot more buzz on politically. There's a lot of pending legislation that's just starting out right now. Unfortunately, that's not going to help for this year. So we need to find those one-time things. Might not help for this year, but those members of the General Assembly have a March primary and they want to get something done before that uh, next tax bill comes out. So there may be some motivation uh, over December and January to get something accomplished. Do you have any influence on that? I'm going to testify tomorrow at the state house. I don't know if that's influence. (laughs) Uh, I'll I'll be wearing a suit jacket for them for that. Um, But it, uh, it, the challenge is until people hear from their constituents and always encourage people to advocate, get to know who your members of the general assembly are and tell them how this process is impacting them. 
uh, we recognize and understand the frustration with the correlation between values that ultimately gets to the property taxes, lack of homestead, lack of other relief. And well, auditor's office will uh, always be knocking on the doors of our members. They want to hear from constituents. And so that's where constituents play an important role, not only working with the auditor's office on a fair value, but then what the implications are uh, through state law. In Again, I'm a big advocate, and I know you've been on all kinds of committees and things that look out for elderly people. Uh, elderly, I'm 62. I'm getting there myself here. So, But I don't want to pay property taxes as much as the next guy. Um, are there any other out-of-the-box kind of things that can be done and still the schools get their monies and things like that? Well, so that's where Homestead's kind of seen that evolution. Uh, under Ohio's Homestead Act, any uh, deferred dollar, so if I qualified and got a $200 reduction, it's the state that actually pays that 200 difference to the local uh, school district. And so when the state is sitting on a historic rainy day fund, is there more skin in the game that they could be putting together? At the same time, I think the state's looking at some school districts not the case in Franklin County, but in some school districts across the state, they're at a 20 mil floor. So they're where it is not a one to one dollar value increase, the tax increase in, in Columbus or in Franklin County, other counties, it's, it's a little closer. Uh, so where they may have seen a 23% value increase, their property taxes may be going up 18% because of the 20 mil floor challenge with those school districts. I think the state's looking to those school districts to kind of agree this isn't meant to be that benefit. You're still getting the dollars you're supposed to based on levies. But should you be doing this? Opens up a big constitutional question, and I don't know if it'll get litigated, uh, but a lot of conversation. Uh, but, you know, there are historic budgets going on at the state house, at cities, at the county. Could those entities help provide some of that relief to older Ohio, uh, older residents or individuals in neighborhoods that they know are seeing big value increases? You used Whitehall. Whitehall was one of our inner communities that saw the biggest increase. They saw about a 68% value increase. Now, the property taxes went up about 8%, but recognizing that percent increase does have an impact and implication for those residents. Well, again, you know, we're at the end of another segment, and I want to get into the next segment. I want to get into uh, the details of if somebody does uh, want to challenge their value, how they go about doing that. We'll get into the nitty-gritty of how that works. Um, as I mentioned before, we ha- this is a jam-packed uh, session that we're having with Michael Stenziano. If you guys miss any of this or you want to share it with somebody, get on Apple iTunes or Google Play or Spotify or, you know, we're on 98.9 The Answer. And if you go to their webpage, um, you'll see the Paul George group and you'll be able to download the, ep- the episodes and send them to people. So do that. We'll be right back. Navigating the complexities of the current real estate market can be a daunting task. Fortunately, you have a trusted ally, the Paul George Group of Keller Williams Greater Columbus Realty. From the moment you start your journey, the Paul George Group with over 30 years of experience will be right beside you, guiding you through every step of the process, whether it's finding the perfect home or building, skillfully negotiating on your behalf, working with lenders, managing inspections, or handling title matters, their expertise in ensures your best interests are always at heart. Don't hesitate to take the first step towards your real estate goals. Reach out to the Paul George Group for a no-obligation consultation. Call 614-570-2853. That's 614-570-2853. Or email paul at paulgeorgerealestate.com. When it comes to making informed decisions in the real estate world, trust the Paul George Group to lead the way. Visit the Paul George Real Estate Group at paulgeorgerealestate.com. That's paulgeorgerealestate.com. Now back to your host, Paul George. Welcome back to the Paul George Real Estate Show. And again, I'm your host, Paul George. I'm with Mike Stenziano, Michael Stenziano. Mike, I don't know what you want to call yourself. I get called lots of things, so I'll take take either of those easily. Hey, before we get back into uh, some of the questions we had mentioned before uh, to get some answers from, I, I do want to offer my tip of the week for protecting you and your home and your home's valuation. But one of the things that came up um, with one of my clients is that uh, they were getting their, they said, should I get my furnace tuned up and checked and things like that? And of course, you should do that. But 
One of the nice things about going into the winter here, when you have them come out there, ask them to um, do a carbon monoxide check or check for gas leaks. They usually have those little monitors that, uh, you know, they're there just to do the furnace. But if you ask them nicely and say, hey, could you come up and check my fireplace? Uh, could you check my uh, uh, dryer? Because some people have gas dryers or check my um, hot water tank. Um, and, you know, that's right around the furnace area. Just do that as a safety issue. You know, there's a lot of things to do. But while they're there, just ask them to do that. They would be more than happy more often than not to uh, put their little beeper on there and see if there's any carbon monoxide or gas leaks or anything like that. So anyway, that's my tip of the week, especially going into the uh, colder weather here. Um, Again, we're with Mike Stenziano. And you had mentioned before, what is the quickest resource for people to find out about their property taxes to begin with. Most people don't even know what their property taxes are until their bank tells them. So I would visit uh, the county auditor's website, uh, franklincountyauditor.com. And you go to the property search. Uh, You can then look at the tax bill and it'll show where it's allocated. You can also go to the county treasurer's uh, website. She will also have that explanation of what the property taxes are and where it goes. And then if you're buying a house and, and wondering or moving what the impact could be, there is a tax calculator available as well on the auditor's website. Real quick question, because this happens within my industry all the time. I have a uh, a client who buys in Franklin County, and, you know, the tax valuation at the time was, let's just say it's $250,000, and they just bought it for four hundred. How quickly will their taxes go up? <laughs> it depends where they – at what time of the year they bought it, uh, but we will get it uh, reflected. So it just is going to depend where it is in the treasurer's tax cycle. Um, and so you buy it, depending when the paperwork from the title company comes, can take some months. So that may make it a little bit longer than you would expect to see the tax bill immediately updated. How about if somebody is in um, – they bought a new home and it's halfway done? Uh so we'll, we'll do the taxable value uh, of the condition of the property. So it's going to be the high, uh, high and best use at the time. So we'll definitely be taxing the land under Ohio law, uh, but we're not going to do the full value until it's completed. So we're always working, getting permits, getting updates uh, from local jurisdictions of kind of the status. And just because I had this happen to me, um, actually, we just rented this house. But two years ago, they had a fire in their house. And the house was pretty much boarded up for a year. Is there any relief for property taxes on something like that? Absolutely. So highest and best value, uh, we have a damaged and destroyed property form. Oh. Uh, so if there is a fire condition uh, and you're not, it's not livable, we can update uh, the valuation to reflect that. And then as it goes through the additional updating and permitting, uh, we would do our annual maintenance and capture it accordingly. Uh, but yes, if, if there is something flooding, a uh, fire, a lightning strike, wind damage, always uh, contact the auditor's office and we'll work with you on our damaged and destroyed property process. Hopefully that doesn't happen very often. Um, okay. Back to the question about um, property tax valuation. And we are, as we sit right now, we are in December and somebody did not go through the informal process. Um, their tax bill has already been established, I assume. When does that come out, by the way? So, uh, <laughs> for Franklin the County? treasurer, not the other treasurer's yeah. tax bill will be coming out, uh, unfortunately, kind of like, uh, around Christmas time, uh, beginning of the year. What both the treasurer and auditor's office has to wait for is final election certification. Uh, and Department of Taxation makes us wait for our surrounding overlap counties to complete their, uh, canvassing of their elections as well. So that's where it's a little slower than if just Franklin County was doing it on its own. And, and again, I, I don't love the treasurer's timing, but it's her ability to get it out as quickly as possible as well. So you now, get the tax bill. Yes, you're angry. Well, and like <laughs> I'd say, gosh, 50% of the people don't ever see a tax bill. It goes right to their loan servicer. Um, and then they find out in January that their taxes went up and they said, wait a minute, my house is not worth a half a million dollars. If it is, Paul, come over here and sell it for that and I'll be fine. What is their recourse? So under high law, we have the Board of Revision. Uh, Board of Revision is made up of the auditor, the treasurer, and uh, the commissioners. Uh, and we are there to hear challenges to property valuation. And so uh, the Board of Revision filing season is open. You have till March 31st. But if you feel the value is inadequate or there's something that's off, 
uh, we encourage you to file a board of revision complaint. Uh, depending on the value that change that's being sought, if it's $50,000 or less, we'll encourage you to maybe pursue the mediation alternative or go through the quasi-judicial BOR process. And that process itself, what does that entail? Uh, filling out paperwork. Uh, so I went through it myself when we got our first home. Uh, we bought a, a lot that was being split. We bought the, the what I'm going to call the parent parcel. It had the house. Uh, developers wanted the land uh, to build on. And the school district at the time uh, filed a complaint saying, well, we see this. We see what it was. We think the value should be higher. Uh, so had to fill out paperwork, say, you know, explain a little bit of what was going on, what we thought the value should be. Ultimately had to go down at the time uh, before the Board of Revision plead my case uh, and, and all, got a letter back uh, that they agreed what that explanation was. Um, and, and so it's really working through uh, filling out the paperwork. The auditor's office will have a number of uh, BOR filing events across the county in January and February. So once people kind of get that property tax bill, maybe have questions on the value, to work with our office on what uh, your filing should entail or just if you want to file there, uh, you'll be able to do that as well. Well, again, I come up to a show where I've got 14 more pages worth of questions for you, uh, and we never seem to have enough time. Again, why don't you reiterate and go through how people can get a hold of you, how you can get, they can get a hold of resources for doing the things we're talking about. So I always encourage people to visit uh, the auditor's website, franklincountyauditor.gov. It's got all the information. You can always email me, Auditor Stenziano, at franklincountyohio.gov. Um, and then call the office 614-525-HOME with any questions as well. We're always willing and want to be a resource. And just because they're in politics, they are one of the most accommodating offices we have. Again, thanks for being here, and we will see you guys next week. This has been the Paul George Real Estate Show with your host, Paul George. Sponsored by the Paul George Real Estate Group. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and not necessarily those of Salem Media Group, staff, management, or advertisers. Tune in next week for an all-new episode of the Paul George Real Estate Show. And follow Paul online at paulgeorgerealestate.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.